You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. We thank you for joining us today. This is your host, yours truly, Brian Chilton, and we thank you again uh, for being part of this podcast today. We do ask if you'd like to uh, help us out, we'd be much appreciative. We especially ask if you would just let people know about the podcast. And we do want to remind you that the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. And so we do, do encourage you to go uh, check out the website. And uh, while you're there, be sure to subscribe. And uh, when you subscribe, you, you will receive all of the uh, links to the podcasts. In addition, you'll receive articles that uh, come by usually once a week. Sometimes we have more articles than that, uh, depending on uh, the workload and things that's going on. And so... Uh, the, uh, be sure to go by and check out bellatorchristie.com, and that's B-E-L-L-A-T-O-R, Christ with an I, dot com, and uh, we, we do appreciate your support. Uh, we do have one to uh, just let you know, we are on uh, several podcatchers. If you'd like just to listen to the podcast, we encourage you and, and take it with you. Uh, we encourage you to do that. We're available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now, uh, since June 1st, we are now on Google Play, so you can catch us on Google Play as well. We have an exciting podcast for you today. We have with us, uh, and we're going to bring him on just in a few moments, Dr. James Castleton. Uh, He has written a book called Mending of a Broken Heart, The Nature of Meaning and the Purpose that Gives Life Hope. We are going to talk to him here in a few moments. Uh, Dr. Castleton is an incredible uh, cardiologist, a physician and fellow of the American College of Cardiology and National Heart Institute. And so he'll be on the podcast today uh, addressing um, several topics as it pertains to uh, the nature of meaning itself 
And, and as, we, as the title of the book uh, illustrates the purpose of life itself, uh, Dr. Castleton has, uh, has um, received uh, uh, education in medicine and behavioral science at Stanford, Harvard, Yale, and Oxford University. Uh, and so uh, we, again, encourage you to listen to this podcast today and also encourage you to go pick up his book, Mending of a Broken Heart. Uh, you should be able to find it at Amazon.com and at your local bookstore as well. So we're going to bring him on in here in just a few moments. Uh, I announced on my social media uh, apps, and I wanted to mention to you today, too, I ask that you would be in prayer for me. Uh, we mentioned earlier about uh, the 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 workload, and my workload is getting ready to increase exponentially uh, coming this fall. I have the uh, pleasure of announcing that I have been accepted into the Ph.D. program at Liberty University in their program in theology and apologetics. God willing, I hope to begin this fall. So I ask your prayers. Uh, for me as I enter this new endeavor and just uh, ask that you not only pray for me, but that God would be glorified through this process, that I would be able to complete this journey and that God would be uh, glorified through this process and would use this as a means to uh, so that I could help further his kingdom. And so that's what I'm all about. So uh, that's my hope and my prayer as well. All right, we're going to take a, a very brief commercial break, and then when we return, uh, we'll have Dr. James Castleton with us as he discusses his brand new book, uh, The Meaning, uh, Amending of a Broken Heart, The Nature of Meaning, and the Purpose That Gives Life Hope. We'll catch you back on the other side of this commercial break. Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics, but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics, entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, J. Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, defending the faith of things. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career.
And we welcome you back to the Bellator Christie Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today uh, that we want to welcome to the Bellator Christie Podcast for the first time. We have with us Dr. James Michael Castleton, uh, who is an award-winning physician. Uh, he received his training and education in medicine and behavioral science at Stanford, Harvard, Yale, and Oxford University. He is a fellow of the American College of Cardiology and National Heart Institute and a Master Physician and Laureate of the American Board of Cardiology. He currently resides and practices in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He has written, recently uh, written a book entitled Mending of a Broken Heart, The Nature of Meaning and the Purpose that Gives Life Hope. So we want to welcome with us Dr. James Castleton. Dr. Castleton, thank you for being with us on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Pastor Brian, it's my pleasure. Thank you for that kind introduction. And let me say what a wonderful pleasure it is to know that we have uh, cardiologists, that we have physicians out there who are believers in Christ, and uh, th- that's a very important thing, I believe, as we uh, as we seek healing for for. Uh, for both the body, the mind, and the soul, and and what a wonderful calling it is to to be a, a Christian physician. So thank you so much for your calling and for what you do for the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor Brian, my my pleasure. Uh, and you mentioned something that that is actually pivotal to my own experience uh, as a physician, and is something that actually led me to faith. Um, we can come back to it later in more detail, but but lest I forget, uh, you mentioned a very important thing there, and that is I don't think it's possible to practice holistic medicine without a recognition that we are spiritual beings. Mm. Uh, it's interesting you should mention that point, because I was just recently rereading some of Viktor Frankl's work, the great Viennese psychiatrist, and I came upon uh, a question that he was asked that really crystallized uh, part of my journey to faith and the direction that my practice is going to move in the future. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist, he was, but he was asked how he reconciled his uh, very strong and profound Jewish faith with his practice, and he said that the purpose of psychiatry uh, was to heal the soul. Uh, whereas the purpose of religion uh, was to save it. And I actually think that that's a false dichotomy. Um, as, as we'll talk about in my own journey to faith in a moment, uh, I don't think that the soul can be healed until it is reformed, and it cannot be reformed unless it is first reborn. So mm. I don't think it's possible to segregate um, faith from proper medical care. Oh wow, that is so powerful, and 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 I agree wholeheartedly, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, wow, <laughs> that just gives me chill bumps as we just get started here. Man, it's going to be a great podcast. <laughs> Um, Dr. Castleton, if you will, uh, as we ask all of our first-time guests on the Bellator Christie podcast, uh, tell us about your journey to faith. Okay, well, it it really involved three parts. One comes from my practice, and two, I realize in retrospect were providential in character. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a cardiologist, uh, and as you probably know, uh, a large part of what I treat 
are the medical consequences of, you know, bad personal decisions. In other words, much of the diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and coronary disease that, that we address as heart specialists is not genetically driven, although it has a genetic element to it, but in fact is a result of making uh, people making poor lifestyle choices, such as eating poorly, not getting adequate rest, not exercising, smoking, uh, doing drugs or alcohol, and what have you. And, and I, I've seen this repeatedly uh, over the years, and that obviously begs the question of why people do things that are not in their best interest. And, and having a background in behavioral science, I started to ask myself the why behind the what of these behaviors, and it became clear to me that, that what people were, what I was seeing were the medical consequences of a spiritual ailment, namely the absence of a sense of meaning and significance mm. uh, in uh, my patients' lives, that they were trying to uh, make up for uh, through various forms of pleasure or stimulation. Uh, the, the term we use these days is self-medication. Um, so what, what I realized is, is I was getting nowhere. Uh, I was advising patients how to take care of themselves as if the problem were an information deficit, and yet in the overwhelming majority of people, nothing ever changed. I'm, I'm sure that fits with your own experience and other domains of life. Um, and, and once it, it became clear to me that really what I was dealing with was, was a disorder of meaning, a spiritual disorder of meaning, it forced me to begin to think about what meaning was. Now, there's, there's been a lot of material written about how to become happy, how to live a meaningful life, but that approach begs two very important questions, uh, I realized, and that is, I, I could not tell my patients how to do what they were supposed to do if they didn't know, one, why meaning or happiness was important, uh, and two, why it is they should be striving for those uh, emotions. In other words, you know, what functions does happiness and meaning uh, serve in our lives, and what is it that you're feeling? What is it that happiness and meaning communicates to the spirit? Only when you understand those can you coherently explain how to achieve them. So I, I came to realize that I really needed to understand that, believe it or not, to be a good heart doctor. Mm. Otherwise, I would never successfully be able to help my patients live healthy lives. So that, that was the first thread that started me thinking and, and constituted really an intellectual aspect of my journey to faith. The second were two providential events. The first <laughs> is that I basically had everything that a successful physician could have, you know, prestige, position, income, uh, and uh, God took it all away. Mm. Uh, in fact, he took away everything on, on which I based my pride, um, and I realized that uh, I was living an illusion, uh, that I, I was seeking an emotion that was something other uh, than meaning, 
Uh, and, and now what was a theoretical question for my patients became a very personal question for myself. I needed to understand the nature of, of meaning and the nature of happiness if I were going to live a life that was characterized by either. Um, and so what I did there uh, is that, that that prompted a search. I, I, I have to confess, confess somewhat to my, to my shame in, in, in retrospect that I did not start with the Word of God as my first source of truth, but went back to Greek philosophy, uh, biological anthropology, uh, humanism, materialism, uh, basically being trained as a physician, and, and trying to understand the nature of meaning. Uh, and I, I came to realize that, that meaning is, is not an end in itself, but is a byproduct of a way of life, uh, which begged the question as to what is the end to which we live our lives, which if we do so correctly, we will experience meaning. And that, that end, I came to conclude, was our hope. hope. If hope is the destination of the journey, meaning is the experience uh, of that journey. But then, you know, not all hopes are equally valid. The addict has a hope in their fix, but it's not, you know, a healthy hope. Um, so not all hopes are created equal. And I started to, to think about and study, uh, you know, what the criteria of a valid hope were. Uh, and I came to the conclusion that, that hope depends on that which is true, good, eternally so, uh, and, and and requires a sense of justice that assures that the truth of that goodness will not change. And finally, hope is personal. It's not an abstract or impersonal concept. It, it, is, it is something we experience as personal beings. So that principle, the communicated hope, um, had itself to be personal. Now, I, I think you can see where I'm going with this as a pastor yourself. I realized that what I was, what, what I had deduced was that hope depended on the very principles that describe the character of God, Amen. but not any God. There was only one God, and that is the God of Israel, the God of the Bible that met the criteria for all of those, uh, and that set me off on an apologetic journey um, where I needed to, to, to know for myself that the Christian faith was true, and, and we you know, we can talk about that if you'd like at another point, but, but I was moved by many of the proofs that, that moved people, especially the proof of the resurrection and the transformed lives of the disciples who each, uh, you know, with the exception of the Apostle John, gave their lives in martyrdom mm. for the belief in Jesus Christ. Um, the, the third thread um, was when God brought into my life a woman whose heart was of such unnatural selflessness that I could not explain it um, in the context of anything in this world. Uh, and so I went back to the only verse I knew that described love, namely 1 Corinthians 13.4, and that started a search over several years through corollary passages to understand the nature of love, and I realized that the sort of love that I saw in this person was not of this world. Mm. Um, and as those threads came together, I realized that the only way that that love could be true was was if God himself uh, were true. Um, and so, you know, seeing the problems that I was trying to overcome in my practice, uh, 
having God make the, the issue of meaning personal for me, and then my intellectual journey leading me to faith, you know, all are all part of my salvation experience. And then finally, the last piece, if I may, um, is, is that I had been thinking about the nature of meaning and hope. Meaning is the experience of the journey to our hope. But then that also begged the question of, you know, well, what are the rules of the road? What are the principles that I have to follow if I'm going to get to my hope and experience uh, life as meaningful? Just as all hopes are not valid, not every value system will get you to God um, and, and allow you to enjoy, you know, personal relationship with Him. And I realized that that purpose, that code of conduct by which we achieve a valid hope in God is, is nothing else than agape uh, or selfless love. So that when I say, what is my purpose, a lot of people describe, well, my purpose is to be a physician or a lawyer or what have you. Well, that's how you achieve your purpose. I came to realize that, that the epitome of purpose is loving others as God has loved us. And for me, I think agape is the valid purpose that brings a meaningful life as it brings you into personal relationship with our Father. So long, long answer to uh, a good question, but that's how, how I came to faith. And that's so powerful because, you know, a lot of times people seem to identify themselves with their jobs or or with with different aspects of their lives. But as you say, the purpose of a person's life is, is greater than all that. And I think that's a very astute observation that you made there. And it's amazing how God uh, worked in your life as he did through your practice and through the experiences of your life uh, to, to bring you to faith. I want to read a passage from your book, if I may. It's uh, in the book, um, Mending of a Broken Heart. Uh, you provide a series of spiritual meditations, journal reflections, theological commentary, and poetry. And we were mentioning just a few moments ago before the podcast how poetry is able to succinctly provide in a, in a uh, beautiful fashion some deep theological truths. And I think you do that very thing in your book. In fact, you write on page uh, 136... Uh, why should we fear death? Why should death or us rule? Why is death so important? Why should death make us fools? Death would make us all captives if life's born yet anew, yet that birth is uncertain and not all will pass through. And then you go on to say, but if life ends in death and death ends in vain, if life is evolved towards pleasure and pain, then each man's his own master, each one's his own king, and one measure of life is the pleasure it brings. So this brings us to a very important question. Uh, why is it important to make a distinction and understand the differences between happiness and meaning? If, if I may, Pastor Brian, I'd, I'd, I'd like to step out from that question a little bit and, and provide some context uh, you know, we were talking earlier uh, about the the what and the why of happiness and meaning. Most of the time, uh, we talk about how to achieve those those states. But I think if we understand why what those what those emotions communicate to us and why we have them, uh, it will 
become clearer as to why it's important to make a distinction uh, between the two. Some uh, have have described happiness as a way of living. That's popular in Greek philosophy, and, and some current writers um, do that as well. So they say that, that happiness is not an emotion, but it's a way of life. I, I think that that is, a, that is a semantic error. And the reason I say that is that it would be like saying that a hamburger is a way of eating. <laughs> now, a hamburger is a meal, right. not a way of eating. And what I mean by that is that happiness is an emotion. It may come, and it does come from a way of living, but it is not a way of living itself. It is, a, it is an emotion that we experience. And, and we experience emotions in response to events in our environment. Uh, and as a physician... Uh, and a behavioral scientist, um, we understand that the reason we have emotions, uh, I think the current, the, the current way that they are viewed, are as, as parts of our being that, that encourage us to act in ways that promote our health. So positive emotions reinforce behaviors that are conducive to our health, negative emotions uh, act to discourage behaviors that are against our self-interest. Mm. Okay, are you with me so far? Absolutely. Um, so, when the other mistake that I think has been made when we talk about happiness and meaning is that the materialists talk about it from the perspective of our biology, and often people of faith talk about it from the perspective of our spirituality alone. But the fact is that God created us spiritual beings that inhabit material bodies so that, that we are, a, we are a, a compound being, mm. uh, and we, we have a biological element whose health we need to maintain, and we have a spiritual element whose health we need to maintain. And, and to make a long story short, I, the, the conclusion that I came to is that happiness is the emotion that governs a healthy regulation of our biology, and meaning is the emotion that governs the healthy regulation of our spiritual state. Um, uh, and, and I think that also explains some of what often seems paradoxical about these emotions. Because, for example, if, if you think about what's typically described as happiness or meaning, and the terms are typically used interchangeably, We'll talk about a sense of emotional well-being that um, is dependent on circumstance, whereas other aspects that are independent of circumstance, whereas there's an aspect of, of meaning that uh, um, uh, is uh, temporal and transient. There's another aspect uh, that's permanent. Uh, there's uh, an aspect of well-being that occurs when uh, you know, we take good care of ourselves is another aspect that we experience when we behave virtuously. Um, and what I, part of the confusion, I think, is that historically we have been talking about two different states. Um, happiness, uh, if it regulates um, the health of the body, it, it becomes understandable why that is an emotion that is contingent on circumstance and fades. For example, if one meal were enough to satisfy us forever, we would slowly starve to death afterwards. So 
you know, our, our physical well-being is something that is dependent on our environment and something we need to uh, renew uh, on a repeated basis. Now, meaning, I think, addresses the health of the spirit. Uh, and so, so happiness, if you will, communicates the sense of being well. Meaning, I think, communicates the sense of well-being. It, it is that sense of consequential, of a consequential and worthy existence. We all want to know that our lives matter and that we are valued by others. And I think meaning is kind of the temporal experience of what we all hope to experience when we stand before our Lord uh, and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I think meaning is the temporal equivalent of that. Um, and whereas happiness results from appropriate self-care, I think meaning is the consequence of selflessly giving to others. So to put it in, in an aphoristic form, I think happiness is the consequence of properly loving oneself. Meaning is uh, the consequence of loving another as we love ourselves. Okay, so those, they're, they're two very different emotions. Um, and so if you want, the, the, the most common mistake I see people making is pursuing happiness as a substitute for meaning. Um, and they, they, they seek a, an emotional experience that is enduring and communicates a sense of consequence and worth, but they do it in a way that is incapable of doing that through power, through money, through personal accumulation, through self-indulgence, uh, or what have you. Uh, they do it through self-focused activities. Uh, and the problem is no amount of happiness will make life meaningful. Only self-sacrifice on behalf of another, which as we talked about, can be achieved in a variety of different ways, regardless of what your profession is. Uh, only that type of self-sacrifice uh, will make life meaningful. The final point, and I think the part that, that really you know, spoke to my heart as a physician, is that the hallmark of addiction is, is dependence on an experience that fades. So any experience that gives a transient high and then fades encourages the person to engage in that behavior again uh, in order to maintain that high. And unfortunately, we habituate to those experiences, whether it's food um, or, you know, sex or drugs or alcohol or gaming or gambling. Uh, and the problem with uh, pursuing happiness as a substitute for meaning is that it leads to, leads to an addictive lifestyle. Uh, so I think those are a variety of reasons why it's important to make a distinction between happiness and meaning. That's very, that's very well said. And I have often heard it put that there's a difference between happiness and the state of joy. Uh, that joy and happiness are two separate things. Happiness is, is as you say, um, based on temporary experiences, whereas joy would probably be connected more with the meaning that you are that you are talking about. Do you see that? Do you, do you think there's a connection between those two terms as well? I, I absolutely do, Pastor Brown. I think that's that's very well put, um, and I think you know joy is is an enduring experience. 
I mean, if you think about something that has brought you joy, and obviously, I, for, for for a Christian, the greatest joy is is knowing our eternal security, you know, in our Father, um, through the Lord, and and the blessing of experiencing Him directly. You know, that is a dimensionless experience. It's it's not contingent on circumstance, and it doesn't fade, uh, and it endures. And I, I think it. I think you could say that it is the joy is the apex of a meaningful experience. Mm. Wow. A- a- amen. Amen. Um, you know, and we also talk about, and it's so powerful what you what you brought forth about addictions, and and you're so right because a lot of lot of um, addictions are based upon the temporary high that may be experienced, and once a person understands their purpose, you know, one may be less inclined to focus so much on the temporary and more on the eternal. So that a very powerful statement. Um, as we talk about Actually, our... Pastor, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. Pastor Brian, may I, may, I, may I jump back in for a second because you jogged my memory. You, you mentioned a point that, that's extremely important, and I, I didn't elaborate on this earlier, but I think one of the reasons that it's important to make a distinction between happiness and and meaning is that although I think intuitively we recognize them as different emotional experiences, I I think to be fair, if we introspect in our own lives, there's a lot of overlap between how you feel when you feel happy let's say you won a promotion or you, you know, win a game and and how you feel when you know you've done a service to someone else. Now, not entirely the same, but, but they're not they're not obviously distinct either. Um, and I think the reason for that is is from a neurobiological standpoint, both happiness and meaning use the same reward circuits in the brain. So biologically, they lead to similar circumstances. So this goes back yet another reason why it's important to understand the difference because if emotionally happiness and meaning feel similarly yet what you are looking to achieve in this moment is a meaningful experience you need to be consciously aware of of those behaviors and that way of living more specifically you need to be aware that it's self-sacrifice on behalf of another that gives you a sense of consequence, and you need to understand that it that it is the gratitude that they elicit that, that gives you your sense of worth. That that it's that behavioral interaction that leads to meaning, and not going out and you know buying another suit or or, or a stereo or an iPhone or something like that, because both will produce overlapping emotional experiences, but the, the the emotional experience that comes in the domain of happiness is going to fade, whereas if you apply yourself correctly in the domain of meaning, that's an experience you can take with you forever. Um, does, does that make sense? Am I, am I expressing that point clearly? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, was, uh, I, I lost his name at the first of the podcast, but it came to me. Uh, I, I've heard the story of one Deion Sanders, who was a, uh, I believe he was a wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, and I heard a story, and I believe it's Sanders, if I'm not greatly mistaken, who after winning the Super Bowl, and, and he's not the only one, I've heard of others, after winning the Super Bowl, the night after winning it, 
he was completely depressed because he had worked so hard to accomplish this feat and help his team. But once it had happened, he felt empty, you know, thinking to himself, is this all there is? What what next? And I have right. heard that uh, he and others like him, uh, that's the moment that he came to faith and understanding that there must be more to life than just than just this. So I think that strongly identifies with the point that you're making that uh, the temporary momentary uh, thrills and, and, and as you said, just buying certain things won't provide that purpose and meaning that comes from from outward, uh, from ultimately coming from God. Right, and, and maybe another, that's, that's a very, very powerful anecdote, and maybe another way to elaborate on that point to try to, to, to make it applicable for your listeners, I would say that that emotional experience that Deion Sanders had was in the realm of happiness and not meaning. Mm. Um, in other words, Again, when, when you think of the self-care that you need, you know, the aspects of yourself that you need to care, care for to be healthy, you need to care for your mind, your emotions, and your body. And you think about an athlete like Deion Sanders, what he had to go through to achieve the apex of personal performance, yes, uh, all the training he went through made him an absolute specimen of human health, yet the, that process could at best make him happy. Mm. It could not make his life meaningful. Right. So for me, uh, it, 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 it is not at all surprising. Uh, and I was a former athlete in high school and had the exact same experiences when, you know, I, I won the city competition. It was great right up until, you know, I finished the race. Um, and then, you know, there was an immediate letdown. But again, if you understand and, and understand that, that this activity is in the domain of happiness and not meaning, therefore you should expect it to fade, and it doesn't mean that it's not true, it just means that those experiences that belong to the temporal are temporary. You will not be disappointed, nor will you be confused that the next step is not to do it again, but to a greater degree, and therefore lead yourself to addiction. But if what you're missing is that enduring sense of consequence and worth that those experiences can't give you, the only way you're going to do that is, you know, by giving of yourself to others. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I think it's no coincidence that those who are often poorest are often happiest because not having the material, they draw their strength from the personal. Uh, and they're naturally led to the sort of human relationships where they have to aid and support each other, the very sort of encounters that give them both a sense of consequence and worth and, and meaning to their lives. I think that the greatest malady of the West is our affluence um, that allows us to pursue addictive lifestyles without even having to think about the substance of a meaningful lifestyle. And that that was another uh, point that we were were going to uh, talk about was about society, and and um, and, and it, how it emphasizes living the happy life, but not the meaningful life per se. And and as we were talking about many athletes and many individuals, you know they they don't find that that uh, they find the happiness, but they don't find the meaning, and the happiness quickly fades. 
Uh, let me also ask this question. Uh, what benefits does a person experience by understanding uh, happiness and meaning? Well, it, it, that goes back to some of the things uh, uh, you and I have just discussed. Uh, I think to, to sum it up, both are valid experiences. In other words, you, sometimes I, I, I as, as a new Christian, my impression has sometimes been that our faith devalues happiness in favor of selflessness as if the two were necessarily in in conflict. But but what I came to realize as a physician in behavioral science uh, is, is that both happiness and meaning are valid emotional experience. In fact, they're both essential emotional experiences. As, as we've been talking about, happiness, you know, rewards us for, you know, taking care of ourselves physically whereas meaning is the reward for proper spiritual attitudes and discipline. So both are essential. They're not in conflict with each other. In fact, the only mistake is to confuse the two. Um, and so I think there are several benefits from understanding uh, the distinction. The first is to recognize that you know life may not always be happy or meaningful, but it is appropriate to pursue, you know, both happiness and meaning. But, uh, in other words, that it is appropriate to take care of yourself and necessary, and it is it is okay to experience happiness as a result. The, the second thing to, the second benefit is, is to not to be confused as to why happiness fades. It fades by design, um, so that, that you have to take care of yourself over and over and over again to remain physically healthy. Um, the, the third thing, um, is, is that, uh, happiness won't make life meaningful as we've been discussing. If, if you want to experience a meaningful life, the only way you're going to do that is to turn your inward focus, as you said, outwards and, and instead of focusing on your own self-care, focusing on taking care of other people selflessly. Um, that is, uh, you know, the, the essence, you know, of, of a meaningful life. Um, so those are, those are a few uh, benefits of, of understanding the distinction. I think at a high level, if you understand what they are, you can know how to achieve them and, and not make mistakes in the pursuit of either. I think the final thing, I'm sorry, let me just mention this, is when that distinction became clear to me, uh, it also became very clear as to the extent to which I was personally trying to experience meaning by pursuing happiness in my life. And, and when I realized that, and when I realized how little I need to be physically healthy, a roof over my head, food to eat, a place to sleep, safety, I realized that I didn't need 70% of what I had, and frankly, over the last five years or so, I've given away most of what I have. Um, and and it's an incredibly liberating experience um, to, to realize that I can use most of my means to help others, and it will not sacrifice my happiness 
and in fact will enhance the meaning of my life. So mm-hmm. it, it liberates you from from the bondage of materialism, among other things. You know, something you said just really opened my eyes to a principle that, that has been missed. I, I think I've, I've even missed it myself, where you said that happiness and meaning are not in competition. And if you go back to the second great commandment, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, it seemed like it's that Jesus is promoting, which he's speaking from Leviticus, uh, the very same thing that we need to take care of ourselves, but at the same time seek to to give of ourselves and to see the meaning and and to selflessly give of ourselves to others in the process of that. So uh, obviously, as he's telling individuals to love others as you love yourself, it's implied that 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 a person's taking care of oneself and thereby can help take care of others in the process. So a very, very good point. Um, well, I, I think you're... Ryan, may, may I... Yeah, yeah may go, go right ahead. On that? Um, because I, I think that's such an important point for your listeners to understand. I, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but but I grew up you know, in, a, in an environment where you know, happiness and meaning were taught to be antithetical in that it was somehow selfish to be happy. So, so that seemed to promote a, a faith that was at best miserable, mm. whereas ours is in fact a, a joyful faith. Um, and, I, and I think the reason, you know, when Christians talk this way, uh, they make a mistake because they assume that happiness and meaning pertain to the same dimension of experience, and they don't. Happiness pertains to the biological and the temporal, and meaning pertains to the eternal and to the spiritual. Uh, and, and they both, you know, come to meet in, in the same, you know, person that God created. So it's, it's, it's a key distinction, I think, that we need to make. Absolutely. Uh, we are, believe it or not, down to about five minutes. So I, I want to quickly ask this question. Uh, for a person of faith, why is regular Bible study and prayer, and it, we may even include even the spiritual disciplines here as well, essential to find a meaningful life? Well, I, I think in terms of the context of what we've been discussing, Brian, the the, the promise and the challenge of meaning is is selflessness. It is self-giving. And, and yet we are born in our natural state, utterly selfish and utterly self-focused, and really capable only of happiness and at best accidental meaning when we forget ourselves. And, and really, you know, God is the most selfless being that I know. Uh, when you think about you know, how his uh, mercy and his grace, um, you know, intersect with his justice uh, and his self-giving in the form of the atonement of his son, really. And when you think that, that what he is trying to do is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, that is a lifelong process, which among the other spiritual disciplines um, is to grow an increase in selflessness. And, and that, as we've been talking about, is the heart of meaning. So, so the Bible and prayer is, is a way of holding a mirror I, I've learned up to my soul and, and to see when I'm insidiously 
deluding myself as to my spiritual status and my my degree of selflessness, or am I really uh, claiming to be selfish under you know selfish uh, you know motives? So being in the Word tells you who you are, who God wants you to be, and that study provides a path um, to our sanctification. Uh, and and one of the beneficial consequences of that uh, is the meaningful life. Amen. We have uh, just a, just a couple minutes left. What what closing words of encouragement would you like to uh, provide for our listeners today? Wow, Pastor Brian, that's a that's a that's a huge question. I <laughs> I think it goes back to something that. that you mentioned when we were speaking off there, and that is, you know, we have a reasonable faith that is an accurate view of reality. Uh, and I would just encourage, you know, your listeners to ask questions, uh, to to be part of the community, to dig into the Word. Uh, there is nothing in the Word that is contrary to truth or reality, and, and the better we understand it, uh, the more rich and fulfilling lives uh, will lead. And the more I've come to understand it, the more absolutely confident uh, I've become uh, in, in the truth of the gospel. Amen. Dr. Castleton, thank you so much for being with us today on the Bellator Christie Podcast. I hope we can get you back on very soon. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I know our listeners will as well. So, Brian, it's been my pleasure. I'd be happy to join you again. Thanks so much for the invitation. Absolutely. This is uh, for this is Dr. James Michael Castleton. Uh, Dr. Castleton uh, has. Uh, we want to encourage you to go pick up a copy of his book, "Mending of a Broken Heart: The Nature of Meaning and the Purpose That Gives Life Hope." Once again, you can go catch that at Amazon.com and at your local bookstores. Once again, "Mending of a Broken Heart: The Nature of Meaning and the Purpose That Gives." life hope. For Dr. Castleton, this is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. We'll see you back next time as we step into the arena of ideas. on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.